one of my mantras when it comes to sales. And not that this is correct for everybody, but heck, I've used it before, so we'll share it here in the fast lane as we welcome you this Wednesday afternoon as we're live or whenever you're listening to this. You can strike out looking and you can strike out swinging. But you can't hit a home run if you don't pick up and swing the bat. And the essence of that is when you're not sure... You miss 100% shots you don't take. Wayne, Wayne Gretzky... Michael Scott. Thank you, Trey. I like you interjecting to put a much more eloquent spin on what I said. Much more credible. I mean, I can say it, but if I Wayne mean, Gretzky says it. No, not just Wayne Gretzky, but Michael Scott as well. Yes. Did well, you ever watch The Office? Uh, you know, in similar fashion here, you are the assistant to the show manager today. That was good. That was a good one. I know. If you've followed The Office, there's this whole deal where one of the characters, Michael Scott, is the office manager and regional manager, whatever it is, and the uh, brown noser of the bunch, I would say. His name is Dwight. He's never the assistant regional manager. He is the assistant to the regional manager. Correct. That's where we were going. Anyway, the whole the whole reason for making that comment is the Virginia Cavaliers right now are clearly in a funk, and they don't play again until this coming Saturday but we'll get some perspective from Paul Biancardi, who was on the call at NC State this past weekend around 545 today in the fast lane. And Ryan Dunn had this to say. And a big thanks to Mike Barber of Richmond.com, who recorded and sent this article, this audio to us. And David Teal, who asked this question of Ryan Dunn about the impact of that late first half shot by NC State that sent the Wolfpack on a surge from which they would never relinquish the, the lead they had and that the Virginia Cavaliers would never be able to overcome. Yeah, yeah, like like, like, like you said, it's deflating. You know, it's we had a great defensive possession that time, 1.4 seconds on the clock. DJ Thurman throws the ball away. I thought we had it. It was kind of my fault. Um, I didn't put a hand up to contest. I kind of thought, hey, he's going to shoot a half-court shot if he hits it. Tip, tip your cat, gave it to him, but he hit it. And it kind of started the whole thing. So it's one of those ones where you just got to say, don't want to curse, like, F it and just move on. But, you know, it was hard, and then they got that whole run going for them. So first of all, for Ryan Dunn, I give him a lot of credit for saying what he said to Richmond.com's David Teal and Mike Barber, who was there and gracious enough to record and send us that audio of Ryan Dunn after the loss to NC State this past weekend. I give Dunn a lot of credit because it's very easy to, to not admit that and mention where it is. And yes, he may take some heat. Granted, this is you know, Virginia media. This is not the Northeast media where they're going to be on them like sharks in the water, if you will. But the, the truth is, there's a lesson in this from Ryan Dunn. Whether it's you know what I do in sales, we all do in our personal lives, and that is sometimes when there's adversity that hits, make the effort, put forth the effort. It may seem nebulous, it may not seem necessary, it may seem hard, but it's part of that that fosters the competitive personality. And I would much rather have people that are proactive, take initiative, and you have to rein it in a little bit. Obviously, all this is within reason, of course, and there's nuance there. But I'd much rather have that than have to coach that out of people. Now, I don't think Virginia totally lacks it because if you did, you'd be oblivious to what Ryan Dunn said about it being his fault, about how he should have put his hand up to defend that late first half shot against NC State. And he didn't, and the shot went in, and it had an effect that he didn't foresee coming. Uh, First of all, to have that much 
reflection and self-introspection afterwards, I think it's a testament to Ryan Dunn. And frankly, it shows that there is something in this Virginia team that they can build upon in the sense that I don't think it's missing personality-wise. The ability to have some level of fire. But somebody has to step up. And if anything, Dunn could be the guy to do it because he's got the skill set. Sorry, Virginia fans, but according to a lot of mock drafts that are coming out for the NBA and these things evolve, yes, but they're much they're different from the NFL mock drafts where organizations need schemes and structures can often determine where a player is drafted. The NBA, it's largely all about upside and potential. So a mock draft is relatively accurate in terms of the, the, the range in which a player might be selected. And we're starting to see Ryan Dunn creep up into the top 15 range. Now he needs to work on his game offensively. Maybe he does enough of that this year. Maybe he goes pro because he's a good enough defender. And if you can, you know, defend the way Ryan Dunn can you shoot the three and you have athleticism they'll wait for you to do it in the NBA but Ryan Dunn's got the skill set to have that type of fire and cachet and credibility and it goes into something that Tony Bennett mentioned afterwards about how right now right now the Virginia Cavaliers are a team that clearly they are in need of some kind of leadership I don't know if you need to wave to the crowd do whatever you want like it's just between the lines you gotta yeah I mean that that stuff you want energy you want positive stuff you want guys that are competitive and intense and um, just, you know, like sound, tough, emotionally intelligent leadership. I mean, that's the best way because um, the the fake stuff or the fluff stuff uh, that, that gets kind of washed away when it really gets into the tough times. And, and again, leadership's as much about hanging together when it's it's tough. You know, when it's going well, it's, it's kind of, I don't even know how much leadership you need. You need it to get there, but... Um, but that's that's what it is more about, and that's where it gets, it's it's tried and it's tested. Tony Bennett mentioning that they need leadership, and, and it's a fine line between having fire and being not yourself, so people think it's fake. They're not going to follow that, and also being to the point where it's the wrong kind of leadership. It needs to ultimately serve and rally your team in a positive way. And maybe it is a little bit of fire and aggressiveness and and you're kind of stepping on the line and going over the line in the wrong way, but it has to all be centered on the greater good of the team. And I get it in this day and age of analytics, which again, I'm a believer analytics should be part of the equation, but this is the type of thing that's harder to gauge and you do need an emotionally intelligent coach to sense that, understand it, and have people around him, other assistant coaches or players on the team that can step up in that void. And if anything, what Ryan Dunn said afterward about the impact of the half-court shot, taking accountability, being frustrated, saying, you know, the effort mindset, even though uh, obviously you can't fully have that. You know, it shows that somewhere in there, there's a level of spark and fire to him. And if you're Virginia, I don't think it's all based to have some level of hope that he could channel that, especially because he also said this, Ryan Dunn, to Mike Barber of Richmond.com and David Teal, his colleague at Richmond.com, after that loss to NC State, but Dunn said this is a team right now that needs more fire. I think we do. I think we need to put more into the game, though. I think there's times where today we start, I think the last three games we started off terrible. Um, like you said, like we got we got hit in the mouth really early. Today we fought back. Um, we, were, we were good for the first like eight or nine minutes, but then there was a stretch where NC State got on a run, and we, we kind of just went flat. Um, so we just need to find that fire, like you said, like and, and it was going to be in me or somebody else or whoever. Just got to continue that fire and keep going. But I think we have a lot. You know, it's early in the year. Um, we're only have two losses in the ACC. Um, I'm not really that worried. But, you know, it's, it's, it's hard, you know, coming on the road. Um, a lot of inexperienced guys for us, guys that haven't played in this environment, guys that played a little bit like me. Um, but, you know, I'm just going to do a better job of just keeping our team together and just trying to keep that fire, like you said. That was Ryan Dunn 
speaking after the victory for Virginia against NC State about this being a team that right now they clearly need more fire and if you acknowledge it you kind of show that you're willing to put yourself out there and say it I think that's part of the step of speaking something into existence and understanding that now it's hard to back it up but this is where I think if you're the Virginia coaching staff and maybe it's Tony Bennett and his personality maybe it's former players like Jason Williford or Isaiah Wilkins, who's now on staff at UVA, you pull a guy like Ryan Dunn aside, and you've got the cachet of being a player. You have the trust of Tony Bennett. You have the understanding of both coach and player dynamics. And Tony Bennett was a player himself, but it was a long time ago. Wilkins, in particular, is a guy that played for Bennett at UVA. Williford's a UVA guy, but not under Bennett. And then, obviously, Bennett was a player way back in the day. But there's different dynamics. Assistant coaches, particularly a younger one like Wilkins, can often be that peer-to-peer speaker and Cut in a similar mold. Dunn's more athletic than Wilkins. He's got NBA upside. Wilkins never did. But putting all that together, this is the type of thing for Virginia where at least there's a blueprint now to pull Dunn aside and say, maybe you're the guy to step up and take on that role. And Dunn could be a leader in that. Beekman could, although I don't know if it's totally his personality to be as outgoing the way Ryan Dunn is. Uh, but part of being a leader is, is stepping up. A part of it is also when your best players are willing to be leaders, it carries a different level of cachet. Speaking of level of cachet, that is about to leave the world of sports, and that is what we get into right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Well, here it is. Breaking it came news. out, yes it is, in the last 10 minutes. Not even 10 minutes. Last... Uh, Chris Lowe, six, six minutes, minutes ago, Chris Lowe of ESPN was the first to report this, and it has been circulating the internet by respected reporters in college football like Brett McMurphy and Ross Dellinger, even in the NFL like Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report and Adam Schefter of ESPN. So this is not a joke. Nick Saban retiring as the head coach of Alabama. Wow. Trey. I'm not shocked. I'm not at all. Greatest coach in college football Shout history. Shout out to the Cover 3 podcast for nailing this. They did. Um, you know, and we mentioned you know, the, the, uh, at times as well, and I didn't know when Saban would retire, but I brought this up to the tutor. Yeah, the guy who was the tutor under the Saban administration at Alabama. Uh, you know, I brought it up to the tutor. He's our version of the Alabama picker, if you will. He's our character. But I brought it up and said, look, I could see a scenario where Saban wins the national title this past season, which they did not. And then rides off into the sunset because he's just done with the way college sports are going in such a different direction. And it takes so much more energy to recruit and retain your own roster and make sure you stock up on talent. This changes a lot. Look, there are going to probably be players at Alabama that want to get out of this con about that want to get out of their scholarships and binding agreements with Alabama. It, it opens up a very desired vacancy. The support is clearly there. Oh, I it opens up one that's very surprising. And it begs the question, Trey, does an ACC school, in fact, get poached for this opening or not just an ACC school? Do they go in a different direction because the coach from said ACC school has been reluctant to embrace the transfer portal and you're taking over the embodiment, according to many, of do whatever you have to do to win a game? Uh, that's where it's different. But I find this fascinating. It's true. Nick Saban retiring is the head coach of Alabama. It would be so funny if it was Dabo. I actually think it's going to be... If I had to pick someone, I think it's Steve Sarkeesian. You think it's Sark going from Texas to Alabama? 
this could be like the couple years ago when you had Lincoln Riley go to USC, Brian Kelly go to LSU. Like that could, especially if, you know, what is the two names connected if Jim Harbaugh goes to Michigan? It's Kalen DeBoer and obviously an eternal hunter and Sharon Moore. Like, I, Alabama can get whoever they want. Um, that's kind of, it's just kind of insane to think like, like this is, you know, I wasn't shocked by this given that this was a rumor all year and then like you look once someone said it to me you take his interviews especially the fact he was on a week the pat McAfee show every week and you kind of hear how he's enjoying the moments a lot more um it's just uh yeah i think um i think this is going to be interesting i mean this is the greatest coach of all time and it's crazy to think college college football coach of all time i mean if he gets drew and and the crazy part is if if you know if he ends up signing a hall of fame quarterback in drew Brees at miami his time at, at alabama maybe never happens because someone a dumb doctor failed a medical check like that's that is literally the one maybe the biggest moment what if in the history of college football is if drew Brees gets cleared by miami dolphins doctors Nick Saban, head coach of Alabama, no more. He is retiring. His first reported about coach 10 Prime? minutes ago. Coach Prime? No, I'm just kidding. Trey, the question has to be asked. His son can't transfer there, so it's not happening. Huh? Trey, the question must, in fact, be asked. Do you believe that? Huh? Trey's reaction is... Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. No, that, his son can't transfer there. He's not, he's not changing jobs till after his son goes to the NFL, I, if he changes jobs. You know, I, I ultimately agree, and I think here's the other thing. It's hard in this sense. You might be the man who follows the man, and that's often the hardest spot, whereas... Ask Justin takes Fuente. A, yeah, I mean, hey, he's an example. Let someone take over for Nick Saban. Let it run its course. Know there's a lot of support at Alabama, and then be the guy who goes to Alabama after that particular fact. But this is fascinating on so many different levels, including number four. With the news coming out about 10 minutes ago of Nick Saban retiring as the head football coach at Alabama. Yeah, just another Hall of Fame coach having a shocking exit. Trey, no, not yet. Lee Corso was oh. announced a few weeks ago that he would return to college game day. Oh, I see what you're is saying. Is it possible that Nick Saban would take the place of Lee Corso? Who, you know, I know he's an icon there, but... It's, it's it's getting it's there. Time. And they have Pat McAfee as the character, like the character of the show, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that's a whole other topic we'll get into later, the Pat McAfee versus ESPN debate that's happened. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers versus, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's basically Aaron Rodgers and what he says on Pat McAfee. and Because we all take Aaron Rodgers very seriously when anything comes out of his mouth, especially non-football related. Just because he's good at football and went to school at Berkeley doesn't mean we actually need to think that Aaron Rodgers is the most intellectually brilliant person on the planet, despite the fact that he would want us to believe that, especially because of his Hiawashka revelations that may or may not have taken place. But alas, does Lee Corso, who said to GQ in a profile a couple of weeks ago that he has no plans to retire, does this force ESPN's hand? Cold th- cutthroat business is cold cutthroat business, and perhaps the game could well change in many capacities. Speaking of things changing, number three. Yes, something else that has changed, in fact. Pete Carroll stepping away as the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. Now the other Hall of Fame coach yes. that's reti- who who is one of the greatest football coaches ever. He is going to supposedly be an advisor to the Seattle Seahawks. I if have you- my theory on this, by the way. So so you said something at Trey Law VT on Twitter. I have not, by the way, seen the odds from places like Wager on the internet. That's I don't even need to see that. Um, 
But the betting favorite should be Dan Quinn to be the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, which then also begs the question, is Jerry Jones so enamored with Dan Quinn that if the Cowboys lose to the Green Bay Packers as part of our triple header of NFL football this coming Sunday, we're carrying the games Saturday, Sunday, and the Monday night game, regrettably, Eagles and the Buccaneers. But if the Cowboys were to lose to Green Bay or lose in the divisional round, does all of a sudden Dan Quinn get let go? Because remember, hiring procedures are more cumbersome now than they were in prior years, so it takes longer to fill these voids. you got to wait a couple of weeks for in-person interviews. By the way, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this around 5.30 today with former NFL executive Amy Trask. We did not know all these things were going to break before we set up our chat with her, but it does beg that very interesting question about the future of Pete Carroll, the direction of these type of moves in the NFL and in college sports, and frankly, the coaching landscape being more different now than it's ever been. Ed, you and I are just as likely to become Seattle Seahawks' next head coach as much as anyone but Dan Quinn is. I'm telling you that right now because there was only one candidate put out after this was announcement made. And you feel like if you're going to go off a Hall of Fame coach and have a mutual split, you got to know who you're hiring next. Pretty, you know, almost like 100% sure. It's They just can't say they're hiring Dan Quinn because of the Rooney rule. So, And Dan Quinn used to coach in Seattle. It's the perfect successor. Dan Quinn is the next head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. I will... I will guarantee it. I will be Charles Barkley and guarantee it. It's ironic how every insider, right after it was announced, literally like seconds after it was announced, said, I think Dan Quinn's a strong candidate for this job. Like, come on. Let's, I mean, that like, is, Trey, let's be real here. Like, it's, it's why Todd Herman got fired at Texas is because they were going to hire Steve Sarkeesian right away. They just can't say it like that. It's like Caleb Williams at USC. Like, just connect dots, people. Let's go. Trey, that's a very valid point on this. Speaking of points, plenty were scored in college basketball last night in the ACC, which blends us into number two. The ACC basketball slate last night. Three games took place. One, Wake Forest losing at Florida State. I know Tallahassee is a tricky place to play. Yes, the Seminoles have linked and they have started to play better. But let's not forget, it wasn't too long, just uh, uh, 10 days ago, 11 days ago, I guess, Florida State lost by double figures at home to the Lipscomb Bisons. Yes, the one that used to play Liberty in the ASUN. That's not good for Florida State. Now they've beaten Virginia Tech and Wake Forest. Two teams now with that type of loss, even if it's on the road, they could ding a resume. Wake Forest, for as much progress as they made, they're still looking for big wins. This complicates things for Wake Forest. You cannot afford to lose a game like that if you're the Demon Deacons and a, a big urgency meter win. I'll be in Winston-Salem for UVA at Wake Forest this coming Saturday. Again, we'll discuss that and other stories around 545 with Paul Biancardi of ESPN. Also last night, Duke clobbered Pitt 75-53 in a game that wasn't that close. 48 to 23 at halftime. Duke looks like a really good team right now. They're not feeling the pressure to play freshmen the way they were maybe at times last year. And yes, I'll criticize Coach K, even though you're, quote, not supposed to. But the back half of the Coach K era, where it was all about playing the one-and-done players. Shire will do it, but he's allowing veterans to also play for Duke. And that has made them a much more formidable team. It's made Carolina a challenging team. And why those teams genuinely look like not just top of the ACC teams, but one that now I can buy as teams that can make a run in the NCAA tournament. More on the heels momentarily. But Notre Dame knocked off Georgia Tech in overtime last week. I 
like the progress. I, I do like the direction of Damon Stoudemire and the approach for Georgia Tech. But as big as the win was against Duke a few weeks ago, this is still a team that is way too unreliable to count on much more than maybe a pop-up win here or there. And at best case scenario, they slip above 500 and slide in to the NIT. And number one on the Fast Five at five-ish. Five games of note this evening, four of them in the ACC. The one not is the game that I'll be attending. A bounce-back spot, Jacksonville State at Liberty, a 7 o'clock tip from Bel Air, Liberty Arena. Yes, that's where we will be going, or I will be going a little bit later. Go home to Bel Air! Yes, I will be going Good addition. to Good Liberty. Addition. You did, I think that was the first time you played that. I think it might have been, Trey. But anyway, Liberty. It, it, a lot of sharp professional betters like Liberty to cover the 10. A basketball is not my forte, but I tend to agree in a bounce back spot. I do think there's enough talent for Liberty. And, you know, it'll take a while for them to fully figure out what they need to do to win in Conference USA. But I think that's a bigger issue on the road than at home. ACC basketball. Two games that are not on the network tonight. Louisville is at Miami. Hurricanes are a 16-point favorite. They're coming off the loss to Wake Forest. I know it's a big number, but, I mean, this is as classic a spot for a veteran and talented team like Miami to blow the doors off an underperforming team like Louisville. Meanwhile, Boston College at Syracuse, you know, I actually like the direction both these coaches have their programs going. They're both 10-4. and 4. No, I don't think they're really tournament-caliber teams because there's not a lot of, quote, meat on the bone, end quote, from a resume standpoint. But one of these teams, especially if Boston College gets a road win tonight, it's the type of thing that can improve their metrics. But BC and Syracuse, I like Earl Granite. BC, I like Red Autry at Syracuse. Uh, again, I think there are too many warts to make a tournament case, but uh, their programs at least are trending in the right direction. And tonight could very well be one of those under-the-radar games. Now, the games you'll be hearing on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app starting at 6.30 p.m. this evening. We'll have the graphic up on Facebook at some point later on this evening. But it's Clemson at Virginia Tech. Followed by NC by North Carolina at NC State, a game that we will join in progress. Um, for Virginia Tech, they're a, a two-point underdog to Clemson. I, I'll stick with my theme: prove it before you can do it for Virginia Tech. Uh, some people like the over 145. I know Tech has scored and given up points, but Clemson wants to control the game defensively, and I think they're very well equipped to do that on the road with the urgency in Castle. And Mike Young will emphasize defense. I, I kind of lean the under of 145 more than anything. I think this is a game where Clemson wants to play slow. Tech wants to play at a more controlled pace. It's a little bit rich on the points for me. Meanwhile, the other direction, North Carolina and NC State, um, it's a classic letdown for Carolina after the big road win at Clemson. It's a huge rivalry game state could use the big resume booster i like the wolfpack getting a three and a half at home but i really like the over 154 i think a lot of points will be scored in a game like this where carolina will feel more comfortable getting back to their run it out style and nc state prefers to play that way as well and there is your fast five at five -ish. when we return in the fast lane more on the ramifications of all of these coaching changes with amy trask former CEO of the Raiders. And yes, a PSA coming from her next. Sounds like a, I know we're both married. Amy and I are both, but a woman after my own heart. Careful, with something please, she, just careful. Trey, she tweeted it earlier today, so we have to get her to expound upon this as well. When we return here in the Fast Lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.